Welcome to your second half of the Sports Red Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. You know where we are, the group page, Sports Red Podcast. So everybody that was tuned in earlier, get there, check us out. We are here. And you know what we do. You know what we do. And right now, we are live again. And we're going to get into this real quick business of football. And it's a little strange when I saw this article, but I felt it was fitting when I came up with the topics for the show. Also, before we get into it, Mike Blunt, Will De Niro, thanks for tuning in. I see your guys' request for the group. I will definitely get you in once we wrap up here today, so no worries. You will be in, and we appreciate the support, and we appreciate you tuning in. So, the business of football. If you want to do it now, you can do it now, or if not, you know, I'll make sure I get them uh, later on. But no doubt, we will definitely get you guys in. So, the business of football. And it's kind of tied into the leaks uh, of the Washington football team emails. And it's funny, the article says, the business of football, leaked Washington football team emails show how NFL sausage is made. Yeah, it's funny. And if you understand, you understand. If not, hopefully (laughs) we will try to make some sense of what's going on. So it goes that says from accusations of favorite treatment to jokes about cutting player salary and the curious timing of the leak, nothing about the story should come as a surprise. Absolutely. And this is from Andrew Brand. So um, initially he says it can be political, back scratching and unseemly how the sausage is made. And it has been a full display over a couple of weeks. He says with the ongoing sagas that have appeared. Number one. Kept an important partner in his job. Two, buried a now forever former head coach. And three, protected son. All right. So he starts out with some favorite treatment in Washington. And we all know that story. We all know the issue there. And I mentioned it in the beginning. Um, there was a, a nominal fine for Daniel Snyder, who's basically being allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, we talked about the John Gruden emails surfaced um they say one it was overseen by the nfl and then it was presented by the attorney handling it beth wilkinson there's no written documentation doc- documentation no written documentation leads me to believe something's being hidden mm-hmm. or something's not being let out something's going on it's not being told um it's been reported that women in washington were told to wear tight dresses and constantly felt pressured and intimidated by the working environment. Cheerleaders were put in compromising positions on junkets and other events. These women are not being served by by the ousting of Gruden, but they are pawns in the situation in the warfare. Uh, Let's see, what else do they got here? Uh, with no written report of the Washington football team investigation's findings, the emails actually emerged as part of litigation against Snyder, where all where Allen was added to the litigation by Snyder. Uh, Chris Purnell, Cuzzo, what's going on? Mike, thanks for an- Mike T- Anderson tuning in. He says, yo, Baldy. Yo, Mike. Um, right and last week, a team decided to honor the memory of Sean Taylor, in a harried attempt to divert attention from the investigation. 
And when I read this article and I read that prayer, I never thought about it that way. It was just, for me, it was like, oh, wow, they finally decided to acknowledge Sean Taylor. But now that I'm reading this article and we're bringing it to you, I understand why. Um, and he said the execution was very poor at best. The NFL and the Washington football team hope to hope or expect that people will turn to the league drama. So they wanted to deflect the attention from them and their ongoing criminal investigation. Yep. Say, but now Congress has entered the picture as a House Oversight Committee and wondering the same question about preferred investigation. Uh, Mike says they're definitely a distraction. Absolutely. Invest, uh, preferred investigation into Washington and a bigger issue with the brazen nature of the Gruden emails. So then he's saying this one sec next part was the Gruden sacrifice, which in my opinion, I don't think it was a sacrifice. Um, just real quick, we all know about the Gruden story, the interview, the emails about uh, D. Maurice Smith and about the commissioner, yada, yada, yada. He was forced to resign. You know how we talked about that um, when we talked about the racism in sports. If that had been a black or brown man, he would have been fired on the spot. There would not have been that grace period where he was allowed to resign. And I think he's still going to get some of that uh, $100 million contract. Keyshawn Johnson made a, had a big conversation about that whole Gruden mm -hmm. uh, issue when he was in Tampa Bay. He talked extensively. Oh, yeah, extensively, yeah. It was real and deep. I remember mentioning that, yeah, too. Real deep. Mm -hmm. uh, the next part goes into the NFL Players Association continuity. Um, it said the timing could have been totally random, randomly coincidental and not meant to evoke at least one empathy vote to save DeMaury Smith's job. Uh, knowing the cutthroat nature of the business, it would, surprise, it would not surprise if the leakers wanted to ensure that Smith, who has negotiated two decade-long CBAs that has served the NFL ownership very well, kept his job. Whoever leaked the selective emails either wanted one well, Smith to keep his job, and or two, Gruden to lose his job, and three, coverage diverted from the behavior of others and John Gruden. So finally, how the sausage is made. Um, the lawyers, you know, like they said, um, they lowered the price, the pay of the players. Um, the NFL is and has always been very political. So the politics are in, and the NFL is using that to their advantage. Uh, let's see. Snyder hired Allen to leverage the relationship with Capitol Hill. Want to play with the politicians. Mm -hmm. um, and with the league office for the ultimate gain of the Washington football team. I mean, they're right there in Landover, Maryland, so they're right in the backyard of these so or said politicians. The communications show Allen doing exactly what he was hired to do. And that is gain a slight edge over the other teams uh, with on Park Avenue. Okay. The precedent. There will eventually be more leaks of communication from email from the email prolific. Uh, with Congress and others clamoring for more, it will now be hard to keep that Pandora's box closed. It will likely find out about other communications to and from Allen that are or can be perceived as racist misogynistic or anti-LGBTQ or include pictures of naked or topless women, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. Now the precedent is that those communications mean termination of the sender. Longtime NFL owner and power broker 
Jerry Richardson was forced into selling the Panthers in 2017 after Sports Illustrated investigated his improprieties with women in the workplace. Uh, This saga raises the question, is the previous discipline to Snyder a $10 million fine and turning over operations of the franchise to his wife going to be the final word? Will the Richardson president come into play? So with that statement there, verbally, he relinquished the power, but he's still the mouthpiece because he's definitely feeding her the information Mm -hmm. and what she should and should not do. The leak of the Gruden emails feels like the tip of a dangerous iceberg. Yeah, Rich, we we don't know. The politicians, and they're down there in that backyard with the politicians, so you know what it is. You pay to play. I know the answer to that, Rich. The owners, the owners association is still ran, collected, and distributed by white men. White women get in by way of a marriage, like Daniel Snyder's wife, right? But the mouthpiece, mm-hmm. as we just said, will still be those old white guys. Yep. So now here's the kick. This is the reason why there are no black owners. Because if there becomes a black owner, you're now a minority that has a mouthpiece. Richard says the good old boy network. And when you got a mouthpiece and understand the disparity and you're willing to speak out, they don't want to roll the dice on somebody speaking out on that disparity. So this is one of the main reasons why you don't see black owners. Yep. Mike says, question. If the NFL is not releasing the emails, who asked who leaked the Gruden emails? Shows how the NFL is playing everybody because why why were only the Gruden emails leaked if the NFL didn't leak them? Uh yeah, that's a very good question. Uh Richard Chandon, he says there was almost approximately six hundred and fifty thousand emails still the NFL is hit. Mm-hmm. So NFL can't part, take that black eye, man. Can't take it. In part answer to the maybe answer to that question, Mike. Whoever is behind the leaks successfully buried Gruden, but was short-sighted if they thought the focus would end with him. So, where's where's the Colin Kaepernick email? Yeah, I, I want to see. We'll never see that. And again, this is one of the mm-hmm. reasons why. And I love Cat, but this is one of the reasons why I was a little, I was a little disappointed in Cap when yep. he took when he took the uh, when he took the payout when he took the payout. Because the, the once he took the payout, it stopped the exposure of of the owners. It stopped those exposures. So I yeah. wish he would have deferred that money. Nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Let's take it to court and let's expose y'all for who y'all are. Yeah. And we and we would be seeing a situation just like this. All the yep. emails through all those owners, we would have been able to see them. Yeah. Richard Richard Drummond brings up a good point. Mike Anderson says right, um, and Richard says he's so tired of this BS. They need minority ownership, and then he goes to this point. Jay Z wanted to buy a team and was shut down. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I had my button yeah. over here. It's not over here, but you know the button. There it is. So you know why? 
Yeah, he, and he says also, with what you just said, Baldy, Richard Drummond says exactly, Cat should have stuck it out and really nailed it, and nailed it know. to the owners. Absolutely. We would know, and the league would be, the league would be uh, further off better in terms of its race relations with mm-hmm. with the owners, the players, management, and all that, and and the minority possible ownership, we'd be a little bit more far further right. ahead. But because of that, we know they we know these old white dudes is racist. Like we don't have to. <laughs> Mike says Jay gonna get that team now. <laughs> it, He's in possible. a perfect position now. Yeah, like Baldy said earlier, the door's open now. He's in a perfect position. So. Time right. is everything, brother. So we all know how that works out. We'll definitely look into some more of that as we get information. <laughs> yeah. So now, exactly, there's actually three quotes right. that I want to get to. And we're going to talk in depth about these two J.J. Reddick quotes. Mm-hmm. But I got to give you this Jay Williams one, which I thought was a little interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, I'm going to give you a comment. I'm going to paraphrase your words, Mike. So feel free to chime in. Gerald McKay, thanks for tuning in. Uh, the one from Jay Williams former Duke player, you know, and I posted it, and you can leave comments, um, if you will, on this. He says, I, end quote, I've had some conversations over the last several days with some younger players in the league, which is, which, which is kind of shocking to me because I haven't heard a conversation like this about a, Le, a LeBron James team where they didn't find, where they don't find the Lakers intimidating at all. People are actually excited about playing his team, end quote. All right, Rich, buckle in, because here we go. Now, we move into the first quote that I saw from J.J. Reddick. And I posted it, and you know, always when you post stuff, you get information, and some of it gets cut out. So I'm reading it now, and what I posted was basically the gist of the comment. But I'm going to read the entire thing. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So here's the first one. And I quote, here's my issue with the old timers. And when they sugar honey iced tea on us saying we couldn't play in their era. I would say this, and I don't think this is a hot take. Most NBA players in today's era could play in any NBA in any era in the NBA. Most NBA players from the 50s, 60s, early 70s could not play in the in today's NBA, I, I see some flaws here, and before I let Baldy chime in, I'll give you my flaws when I finish the quotes. Um, let me let me just mark my stuff so I know where I'm at with it. All right, um, he says I think that's reality. Of course, you have Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, uh, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, the top ten or so players from that era, but the talent from one to four hundred and fifty is through the roof. He goes on to say, I don't want to be that guy in 10 or 20 years from now who is, you know what, on players in 2044. I recognize the game always evolves. I watch these highlight tapes of kids that are like 12 and their handles are Kyrie's handles and they're hitting step back threes and I'm like game, like the game in 10 to 20 years will look completely different. The skill sets will look completely different. And guess what? They will be better than we were. That's just reality. That's how the game works. It evolves. It gets better. End quote. So, before you jump in, Baldy, mm-hmm. and then I'll go into what uh, some of our loyal people have chimed in and said at, on the post. Uh, Richard right now says, J.J. Reddy acts like he was 
Hall of Famer, like he was a Hall of Famer, <laughs> saying this nonsense. Right. So one of the flaws that jumps out to me immediately, now that we're discussing it, 50s, 60s, and early 70s could not play. So what about the two other decades, the 80s, the 90s, well, three, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s? Mike is crying laughing. <laughs> I already know. Me and Mike have okay. had these conversations before. So, <laughs> here we go. You know, that was one flaw I saw. Um, and then I think, where's the other one? Richard said, see how he doesn't realize I, realize I watched this game since the 70s? Absolutely. And just to preempt this, we all know it's been reported that J.J. Reddick, Antoine Terrell, my homie, homie, thanks for tuning in. We all know that J.J. Reddick has since retired from the NBA, is now going to be um, an analyst for mm-hmm. the NBA on ESPN. So he's trying to get himself in. He's trying to wiggle himself in to somewhere where he should actually earn mm-hmm. his way up. So, yeah, that's one flaw there. You didn't mention anything about the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s players. And... Then you go back on the back end of this and you say, you see these kids playing and in 10 to 20 years, the game is going to look completely different. All right. Here we go. All right. Let me start from, let me make two points. Because a lot of times we get, we're the old guys now. And sometimes the old guys look like they're little, you know, they a little upset mm-hmm. with the young cat. I saw J.J. Reddick play in high school. I witnessed him score 45 on my little cousin's team in Virginia. So he was always a shooter, always Rich, a scorer. Richard said he should commentate on a high school game with these quotes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I always say, and I'm, I'm always going to stick to my guns with this. If you're talking attributes, if you're talking attributes, you're talking categories of skill set, Naturally, these younger guys' skill set is going to be better. Why? Because, one, they're playing at an earlier age. Two, uh, uh, their training is different. The rules of training is different. All the things that we didn't, we didn't have weighted basketballs. We didn't have all that stuff. We didn't have trainers. And I'm just, and I'm a kid that was born in the seventies. Yeah, Rich, in the 80s. I, I saw your quote, um, and we're gonna get to that other one in just a minute. So, so we're understanding the skill set of players. The skill set of these players are far much better oh, yeah. no than doubt. the guys in the fifties, guys in the sixties, guys in the seventies, guys in the eighties. It may change a bit for the guys in the nineties. Right. But the guys in the 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the athleticism of the 70s transcended the game of the 80s. The athleticism of the 80s added more skill set to specific positions. Mm -hmm. It was always a big man league. Always. So the bigs can always play in this era. Absolutely. Because there ain't none left. None. So you can take big men from the 50s. The 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s and put them in this era and they can still play. Mm-hmm. Where it changes is the guards. Because the guards got taller. They got bigger. They got faster. They got more athletic. And the guard position now is a dual position. It used to be 
specialty. Mm -hmm. Your point guard yeah. was the guy who set everybody up. Mm -hmm. Your two guard was a spot-up shooter. Now your two guard can push almost the point. Mm -hmm. And now they're six five, yeah. six, 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 seven. Yeah, real quick. Richard says the old timers played with different rules. Today's players would have a heart attack playing in, playing that style. Yeah. I they agree. would. Yeah. I because agree. one they they and again, the older players, they were much more cerebral. Yes. They were more they were more uh uh they made more smarter decisions, even mm -hmm. when you look at the, the turnover rate of yes, this Yes, he does, era. Mike. That's why he's my partner. Yeah, it, you look at the turnover era of this era and the old era. Point guards didn't turn the ball over the way these oh, no, turned the ball over. No, not at but all. But that plays a lot into the pace of the game, too. Mm -hmm. So we know that the game has changed. It's a more fast-paced game. Right. We know that they've allowed the offensive guys to do a little more. They're starting to retract on that a bit. Mm -hmm. But... The skill set of the guards, right? It changes because mm -hmm. Bob Pettit or Mark Price, yeah, or I can take Rod Strickland can play in this era, yeah. I can I take was, I guys. I can see Rod Strickland playing. I can take guys from the eighties and put them in this era at guard. But again, and, and this is what I always tell people, and I and I'm gonna give it to you after this, Dick. What makes a great player? Mm -hmm. What makes a great, not a good player, a great player. What makes a great player is when you see them play, they make it look so easy, you think you can do it. Mm -hmm. So when you see a great player, yep. they make it look so easy that literally mm -hmm. you'll be like, damn, I can be out there doing that. You on your couch. Yep. Well, what made Michael Jordan great was he came at the perfect time when the two guards was about 6263. Mm. Yeah. And he was an athlete who could dribble the ball and was athletic. He Absolutely. was something at the two guard that they hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. His greatness was his work ethic to be better. Right. So when you look at how guys are great, well, that's a depiction of what greatness is. Mm -hmm. Guys that can make it look so easy that you, the average guy, feel like you can do yep. it. Well, so, those great guys can all play in any era. Right. So, now, if you start going down the list and you start yeah. going to people's benches, right. then yeah, naturally. But I do believe that the guard play for mm -hmm. specific guys yeah. would be a lot tougher in this league because those guards at that time were not designed to score. Right. They were designed to facilitate. Absolutely. And that is the difference between the guard play yeah. now and the guard play there and how that would mesh. Right. So got two real two comments real quick. One from Richard Drummond. He says proven. Look at Joel, Joker, and and Davis, who they who they dominate uh let's see. Who they dominate imagine those old timers playing now. They would have, they would as big men, big men destroy these guys, Wilt and Russell. Uh, Mike Anderson says, "Got to remember, the younger generation has the luxury of seeing the older exactly. guys to learn and add mm -hmm. to the game." Mm -hmm. uh, Richard comes back and he says, "Guard play, old time was way different. Way Absolutely, different. way different." So, let's get into some of the comments that were actually posted when I initially posted uh, the topic or the quote. Nargis Malone, he said, old-timers would struggle My to man, guard man. on the perimeter. 
young guys will have trouble with the physicality. I can understand that. They already crying right now, and they barely yeah. get in touch. Yep. Shout out to David Lyons. <laughs> uh, David Lyons, he says, he's like, hey, they said, it's like they say in boxing, it's about evolution. He mm-hmm. disagreed with what JJ said. Also, uh, childhood neighbor, friend of, sister of a friend of mine, Marquita Edwards, also disagrees. She says, I don't know if today's players are just soft or have adapted to today's NBA. The level of flopping and crying in today's game is disgusting, especially from superstars. And then she names LBJ. She's a Lakers fan, by the way, as well. Yeah. Um, She also thinks there are some players who could keep up with the aggressive nature of back in the day. Uh, My friend from TU disagrees, Chris Scott, in a joking way. He says, try doing a crossover in Eurostep in small shorts and Chuck Taylors. They did it. Yes. Drive Petrovic did it. Both of our friends, Deron Gee, Gee. Deron says, I agree. They can play the game back in the day. Skill-wise, they are better today. But if they are better, why isn't the game better? I'm going to tell you why. Michael Jordan single-handedly took that physicality part of the game out when he became the face product of the NBA and complained to the NBA about the physical nature Mm -hmm. of where the state of basketball was going. And he told David Stern, if you allow this to continue to happen, you won't have a league. The very next year, his free throw attempts went up plus 12. So the league itself became, still was physical, Mm -hmm. but it became less and less and less and less and less physical. So the nature of the game now is not about the defense. Richard says it all depends on what rules, today's rules, or old-timers rules. Yeah, and he said those were called Jordan rules. Absolutely. Mike Anderson, who is tuned in right now, Mike said, not a fair statement. Give the old era the training and workouts and how to adjust to rule changes, they would be great in any era. But you can't go, listen, I always say this. You can't take the young guys and put them backwards because it's not fair because the game was evolving. The game was still new. You you only got to go to about the, the, the early 60s. Right. You go to the early 60s. It wasn't that many black folk in no, the game. So there was hardly any athleticism. So you talking about a guy like George Mikan who was in the 50s being an original big man at a time truly when guys were my height. And then you get a guy like Wilt when he comes in and the athleticism of Wilt changed the nature of the game Mm -hmm. for any big man. Mike Blunt said that is the biggest difference. This era has more basketball available to them. Absolutely. That's, well, think about it. The NBA, in, its, in a nutshell, was second to college basketball mm-hmm. and, well, third. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, fourth, because baseball right. was still. And all that, all that. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Baseball was still the national pastime. Mm-hmm. So then it became college basketball, college football, then the NBA. Right. It was well down the list. Mm-hmm. It was not the, the, the sport. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to look at the evolution. When it first started, they had the peach basket, where after a made basket, somebody had to get on the ladder and get the ball out of the basket. 
Then you get into the Wilt era where they changed the design of the basketball court. And it made it And they changed the everybody. rules. Except him. It made it tougher for And that backfired on him, absolutely. <laughs> because they changed it to try and make it hard on him, but it didn't. So that backfired. Yeah. Aunt Brooks says, uh, no heart in today's NBA, they're too soft. So, you know, like Baldy said, you can very much say that you can't go backwards. You can take the guy from the old and say, yo, he can play, he can play, he can play, he can play. Right. You you can pick your spots. Yeah, you can pick your spots. And then. Pull them backwards. Right. And like we say, all this coming from J.J. Reddick. And no disrespect to J.J. Reddick. Mm -hmm. Solid college career. Solid NBA career. But. He could very easily be lumped into that group that we now like to call one-trick ponies. Mm-hmm. True, true. And that's no disrespect. Yeah. That's true. just in what in part of what he said, the evolution of the game. He could be put into that category as a one-trick pony because we all know what he Mike does. Right, the, Mike is right. The high school basketball game is second to AAU. True. Right. Uh, Richard says, remember... Wilt was so dominant. They, right, right, that's right. what I just they said. Changed they the changed rules. everything. Right, right, right. I mean, they changed, they changed some collegiate rules for Kareem. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. But you got to look at it, and I always say that, and I, and I get flat for when I say this, and people don't like me when I say this, but Moses Malone came out of high school. He did not go to college. Right. Michael Jordan... As great as he was. Richard said, J.J. could shoot and can't play a lick of defense. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But Michael Jordan, as great as an athlete he was, he was not good enough at that time for any any NBA team to say, we're going to take a guard because right. it was a big man's league. Right. So had he been as great as a player mm-hmm. in the league that he was in college, there's a remote possibility that he could have went straight to the league, but the irony of that is, go back. It was only one before that. Mm-hmm. So I look at I look at the way that that way that people kind of dive into players and try to dig out. Why well, I, I can say, well, I right, well, shit, Kobe was better than because because he went he didn't even go to college. Right. He, he was good enough to go mm-hmm. to the league, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be fair to Michael Jordan. Right. Because at that time, they was never, ever going to take a guard. You don't start right. with the guard. Right. So it wouldn't be – it's then, not saying that Mike wasn't good yeah. enough to play in the league. Right. It's just the nature of what they were doing in terms right. of the draft was and, and not good for, I think, for you to I take think, a guard. Yeah, I think the biggest word in this whole entire thing is the evolving or the evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you just mentioned, before, prior to that, and usually Moses Malone, Daryl Dawkins came out of high school. Mm-hmm. But there was also the ABA around right, in that right, time. Right, right, right. So – you had a separate league that mm-hmm. took a chance. And it had all the talent. And had all the talent. It had a lot of talent. And then you have to say they were not coming out of high school mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. Like, so again, the key word in this whole thing is the evolution of it. Uh, yeah, yeah Richard says, yeah, no, all big men were yeah, drafted back in the day. Absolutely. That, that, that ball went Absolutely. inside Absolutely. Now that Absolutely. ball goes outside in. Right. And like Baldy <laughs> said, you can go forward but you can't go backwards because of the evolution factor you can't do it but you can very easily go through errors if you understand the game and say like baldy said he could play now he definitely could play now Mm -hmm. he might get a little bit of run now 
Oh, but he would do some right. work right now. Right. So, so you have that there. So it's just a thing where it yeah, looks right, like yeah. it seems like JJ Reddick. It seems like JJ like Reddick yeah, right. like is trying to create his space going in the door. And like I said, the first flaw that I saw, and I didn't pick up on it until the day when he just left out the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. He went back to 50s, 60s, 70s. When the game was totally different. It was totally different, different than what it is today. Way different. And I always say this when somebody tell me, <coughs> man, Doc ain't, Doc ain't had no jump shot. Well, small forwards didn't do that. You get what I'm saying? And he was an enigma because he was an athletic small forward mm-hmm. at 6'6". Mm-hmm. So, so when you think of, again, well, what made him great, was his athleticism at a position where that position was, eh, you ain't fast enough yeah. to be a two-guard, but eh, you ain't big enough to be a power forward. So I'm going to make you a small forward. Yes. As a true basketball fan, which I consider myself, and secondly, slight bias here, a Sixers fan, a Dr. J fan, mm-hmm. there's a reason that Dr. J was purchased and I don't mean it in a derogatory way. I mean, as far as the business-wise. There's a reason he was purchased to come to the NBA. It's a reason. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, moving yeah. on to number two. Oh, yeah, he said Kevin Love. He says, and this is J.J. Redick again, and I quote, yeah. Kevin, Love is 90, Kevin Love is better than 99% of the power forwards on that list. And end quote. And he's making reference to the most recent list of 75 players in honor of the 75th anniversary of the NBA. Now, on this he one, saying forwards, power forwards. Yes. Now, on this one, I really think this is the point where his skill set. JJ was drinking and he fell off that stool and hit his head and came up with this one. Because like Richard said, and if anybody wants to see it, and I, I didn't write them down, and I'm not going to go back and find it now, but when the show is over, you can go back, and I posted this, and Richard, he says it again, and he's telling you, he listed about 5, 10, maybe 15 power forwards, okay, that he, could, he named that would get in today's game and do work. Oh, most definitely. I can, I can and I mean, we can sit here right now and do it yeah. right off the top of our heads. Yeah. So this statement here, or this quote here, in my opinion, is utterly ridiculous. I can say Kevin Love's skill set was not better than Charles Barkley's skill set. No, it was not. His skills, his shooting may have been better than Sean Kemp, but Sean Kemp's game was far more explosive. Mm-hmm. So I can, if I had my choice between and, between Sean Kemp and, listen, and Kevin Love, right. take a Sean Kemp. We can even name some that didn't have the stellar careers. And when I say that, I mean we could name and some like a second tier. We could name some like second tier, maybe like, even some third tier. Like, like Derek Coleman. I was just about to say Derek Coleman. I and think, Charles Barkley yeah. will still say to this day. If he didn't eat so many cheeseburgers, he could have arguably went down as the best power forward in NBA history. I didn't like the dude, Mm -hmm. but as a basketball fan, basketball player, I got to get credit where credit is due. Carl Malone. Carl Malone. You telling me that you telling me 
that Kevin Love. And again, this is Listen, what I mean. I, we can go. Like I said, we can go through he's it. He's got to be thinking. Chris Webber. He's got to be thinking skill set. Chris Webber. But he's got to be thinking skill set. His teammate Jawan Howard. He's got to be thinking skill set. He's got to be thinking his ability to shoot to, to absolutely to rich the Tim court. Duncan. And all like and I'm gonna throw another one out here, just on a whim. The Flying Dutchman. Oh no doubt. Detlef Shrimp. No doubt. Detlef Shrimp. No doubt. No doubt. So again, I say I feel like this was at that point. Where JJ was out somewhere celebrating his newly minted position, and he had a little bit too much well, to he's sit. He's going to have to defend all. These and he fell off. Defenses. Yes, and he fell off that stool and kind of bumped his head, grazed his head a little bit on the edge of the bar going down, and then just woke up and said, "Oh, this, that, and the third. Now I didn't. Dirt. I didn't bring the list with me, Cat and I had KG. the list. These are a lot of the names it's that like, Richard brought up when I posted. Yeah, he like just KG, said dirt too. Like, come on, like uh, we can go deep. Listen, I'll even and go. I'll even go further went, than that. I was about to say, since he went back in the first quote and went 50s, 60s, 70s, Elgin Baylor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bernard King. Come on, listen. Didn't even mention Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale. Didn't even mention Kevin McHale. Larry Bird. You can't. It's hard for you to take this guy. And again, you're taking a guy. He's got to be taking skill set. Because everybody we're pretty much naming outside of, well, shit, but, DC too. All of them were literally marquee players for their team. And look at the they rugged. They were it for yeah. their team. Absolutely, Rich. And look at the rugged. You talk about the skill set, and I can give you that maybe. That he's talking about the skill set. But look at the play. Right. Kevin Love is hurt every season. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Is Kevin Love playing now? Absolutely not. So. He's better than Larry Johnson? No way was he better Just than my line. <laughs> no way. Just asking. Was he better than Gary Trent? Just that. Was he better than Walt Williams? Come on, I'm, I'm just going with. That's what And we just running off one team. We just running off names. Was he better than she was? No. Come on, man. Like, like, and I'm not even and again, I'm naming guys who the offense truly didn't run around. That offense didn't run around she. No. That offense didn't run around Richard just chimed in and said Amari Stoudemire. Listen, he wasn't better than Lamarcus Aldridge either. No. And that's why LaMarcus Aldridge is still playing. Absolutely. And he took a break and came and back. He took a break and came back. So, you listen, man, he ain't better than the guys that he was playing against. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I took that yeah, list Rich, out of my Yeah, Rich, we definitely bag. named about 20 jokers just now. Yeah, just, just running it down. And yeah, you know I took I mean? that list out of my back. So, I don't and have that list. you take a top 15. On me right now. You take a top 15, but then you go a second tier 15. We we name it fifteen that probably wasn't even in that top fifteen. Absolutely. And again, we can look at the guys he played against. Mm-hmm. We can look at the dudes that he played against. Absolutely. Because at one particular time, the power four position was getting was disappearing. Yes. It was disappearing. Yes. 
The center position and the guard position, like you said, Rich, becomes a small guard league. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at Chris Paul came at the right time. This might be a little stretch. came at the right time. This might be a little stretch as far as the power forward spots. But Mm -hmm. was he better than the Davis boys from Indiana? Offensively, yeah. Okay. Offensively, yeah. Defensively, no. Okay. Offensively, Kevin Love was better than both Davises. Offensively, mm-hmm. I can see that. But defensively, and how those guys fit in on that team, mm-hmm. that team was made up of a defensive. Ma- they had a killer shooter. Mm-hmm. Another they had one, a pure point guard. And they had a pure center. Another one who I could say he was definitely better offensively, but also played a big role and was playing out of position. Ben Wallace, right? And again, and I give you the offensive side. Yeah, on the yeah, I can give you side. that. But but but, they, but that's the reason why. Ben Wallace in the Hall of Fame, and he ain't. Yeah, there's always and, a reason. And you got to remember, too, what, what you talking about, Nate, breaking news, what's going on there? Von Miller goes to the Los Angeles Rams. Whoa. Two picks. Oh, yeah, that is breaking news. That's man. breaking news there, yeah. Von Miller to, oh. what is it again, Baldy? Von Miller to the Rams. Rams for two it should be second round. Second round, 220, 2022 22 second picks. round picks. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. But, but, and, and, again, we talk about how players is better than other players, but we got to look at the scheme of the team and how that would fit. Mm-hmm. That team, that, that Detroit team was a defensive team, but had – I mean, they had two compon- three components to the offense that worked. Right. Which Rasheed was part of that offense. Chauncey Phillips was part of that offense. Mike Blunt said the Rams are all in. Yeah, the Rams yeah, are going yeah, broke right, for that yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, they yeah. got that taste in their mouth. Yeah. Ain't and, no oh, yeah, and since we're talking about that, we're talking about the Rams. Frank, just like you said, and I told you too, <laughs> I told you that I was still not sold on Jared Goff. Yeah. Richard just says Dennis Rodman will eat people up. Absolutely. There's no getting around what Dennis Rodman did and again and, and when we talk about and, and this is what we talk about Rich because you've been around parts of basketball that I've never been on a professional level so I know we talk the same language and there's a perspective that you have on it that I don't that's why I garnered some of the things that you say right. because it gives me a perspective that I probably never ever saw but when people don't realize about Dennis Rodman his ability to rebound equals possessions equals more shots equals less time for the other team equals catch up for the other team so when you got a guy like Michael Jordan on your team who's efficient and you'll give him more opportunities to score curtains with a guy that's getting you 20 rebounds curtains you got a problem on your hand and a guy that can defend you had two premier defenders on the perimeter Mm -hmm. that is that is probably the best thing any team can have with a guy that's a true scorer and a guy that doesn't require the ball at all. Dennis Rodman did not require the ball at all. Right. Then you had another guy who's a defender on the offense on the uh on the perimeter who's your point guard slash small forward who can score whatever and get mm-hmm. people involved with mm-hmm. a scoring machine on the mm-hmm. team. Another name. It's just, it's a crazy. And arguably, name. he could have him on the offensive side of the ball. Charles Oakley. Oh yeah. 
And I don't know if Charles, I don't believe Charles Oli was on that list. Yeah, but, but you can put him in that conversation. Just sitting here, like Richard said, he just popped off 15. Just sitting here, we done named off about 15, 20, possibly even 30. Yeah. yeah. And some of them, we agree, might not have been mm-hmm. on that list. But just for sakes of breaking down the words that were said, you know, it, it's a way. Like we said, we even said it. We can go tears. Right. So there would be some that was on that list, and there were some that were not on that list. Okay? So there's that. And, again, like Baldy mentioned, if you didn't catch it real quick, when he gets into, formally into the analyst position, there's going to come a time where he is going to have to defend both of these comments. And I can almost envision it now where there are some people that are going to eat him alive. It's going to get dark for him. Very early will eat him alive. So another quote I got. Before we start winding down. I don't think so. I don't believe so. Like I said, even when we take a quick second away from it and come back, we got more names that we can throw into the mix. So this is something that I saw um, earlier today. And I liked it because I think it was right on point with describing himself and some other guys um, around the league. And it comes from Lou Williams. And he says, I quote, you have your goats and then you've got and then you got guys like me who are from the underground, who are the underappreciated, the underdogs. And he says, so I feel like I'm the underdog goat, end quote. So yeah. there's quite a few people in the NBA currently like that right now. Uh, Lou Williams, definitely one of, if not the best in that right. Mm-hmm. So you could say he's tooting his own horn, but if you know anything about basketball, you've seen his career, you know um, that he's yeah. pretty much on point. That is a list we should we should make. The, the underappreciated, goats. yeah. The, vi- the, the underappreciated, the, the microwaves. Yes. The Bobby think, Joneses. Yeah, I think we could do that. I think I think to create an underappreciated goat list. Mm-hmm. Will be thorough because again they don't get the credit that they deserve. Absolutely, you know your Jamal Crawfords and all them. They mm-hmm. they don't. And I mean your, your Bruce Bowen, Jamal Crawford, they all literally had a true impact on the game. Absolutely, and they don't get put in those. They they considered mm-hmm. the other guys. Yes, to some degree, you know what I mean. Yeah. But those other guys was phenomenal. Yeah, some of those guys were really really good. Yes. Absolutely. Richard says Bobby Jones was stellar. No doubt. So he finally got in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, no so with that being said, you know, we had a little fun with that. We took it where we felt it needed to be. And we come to the point where we're winding down now. So we get back into a little football. We got some picks for you. And then we got some scores. So we're going to give you these picks first. We're going to jump into week nine, which would start on Thursday. Now here's the tough one, Man, and, I, and I'm being I'm being I'm being funny here. Thursday night football this week: New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. I honestly believe that the Jets are starting to run the ball, man. And the kid White know. didn't look too bad yesterday. Yeah, it's the consistency that bothers me. But I so. think I think Indianapolis. I think the coaching and the talent level in Indianapolis will. Get them past Frank. You, you, Frank took the Jets. Yeah, I'm Frank this taking the Jets. Over here too. You got you got Frank yeah, picks yeah. too. Frank takes the Jets. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, Mike, we just talked about the breaking news. Thanks for timing back in. Yeah. Von Miller. Uh, Joel Embiid is getting the night off. The Sixers will miss. He's going to miss tonight's game against the Portland Trail. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not disappointed um, about Joel having the night off tonight. I kind of wish it would have been another game. Um, I understand the intensity of the Hawks game and playing in that game. I'm thinking maybe it could have been it could have been the Detroit game where Drummond could have got a lot more minutes and then you could also use B ball Paul. But you have to also take into consideration with everything that's going on in that situation right now, he's leaving everything on the court. I mean the kids the guy's still injured and he's playing through. So okay, he's out tonight and we'll definitely see how that plays out. Sunday, next Sunday, Cleveland at Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati will have a bounce back. Um, like I said, you know they got Baker back help, back playing. We'll never know how truly healthy he is. So something could happen. Not wishing anything bad, but we never know. Uh, Frank says he's taking the Bengals. Denver at Dallas. With that big trade there, the possibility of Dak returning. I'm taking Dallas at home. Houston at Miami. Tough one there. Yeah, I took Houston. Taking Houston. I'm going to take Miami. I'm sure our guy Jay of JBQ Sauce would definitely like that I picked Miami. Yeah, he does. Atlanta at New Orleans. With Jameis getting hurt. Jameis getting hurt. And, and, Taysom Hill going under concussion protocol. Yeah, yeah that's why I said uh, I was going to roll with Atlanta. I'm going to stretch there, too, and go with Atlanta in that game as well. Yeah. The Raiders and the Giants. I'm going with the Raiders. Yeah, I took the Raiders. Yeah. New England and Carolina. I like what I saw. Frank took the Saints. Yeah, I got them. Okay. Uh, I'm going with New England there. Yeah, New England there. Buffalo with Jacksonville. Uh, I like Buffalo. Minnesota at Baltimore. I'm going with Lamar and the Ravens at home. The Chargers are in town. Depending on what coaching staff shows up is a big question. The Chargers are not a great defensive team. They're not. I'm going to stretch here again. I'm going to go with the Eagles uh, there. I got to go with the Chargers. Good it's pick. Something about that, it's something about that mis- mismatch at that. Uh, mm-hmm. Hold on. Uh, it's something about that mismatch at that tight end position. At, that. Right. Something right. about that. Got Green Bay at Kansas that. City. Hmm. It's a tough one for me. Because it's in Kansas City. And they ain't been playing good, man. I'm going to go with Kansas City, especially with the uncertainty of two top receivers for Green Bay. Although, discount double check made it work there. I'm going to go with KC. So, I'm going to go with KC. Arizona at San Francisco. I'm going with Arizona. Hmm. I'm going with Arizona. Arizona. You even that, with, even with, with the Kyler Murray suspected injury? 
Yeah, because I still feel like they are what we're chasing. And we haven't we haven't and they collectively just pick, figured yeah. ourselves out. So they be the can and 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 arguably you could say for sakes of conversation, dialogue, and debate, that the tight ends could possibly cancel each other out because mm-hmm. they just picked up Zach Ertz. So I'm going to go with Arizona there, too. The Rams the are Rams. home against Tennessee. Rams. No Derrick Henry. I'm going to go with the Rams. Chicago at Pittsburgh. I'm going with Pittsburgh at home. There you go. Those are your picks from us for Week 9 in the NFL. Again, tonight coming up, NBA Monday, you've got the Cavs are at the Hornets. The Blazers are in town to face off against the Sixers. Spurs and the Pacers, Bulls and the Celtics, the Raptors, Knicks, Wizards, Hawks, Nuggets, Grizz, Magic, T-Wolves, Thunder, Clippers. In the NHL, Capitals are at the Lightning. Excuse me. Senators and the Blackhawks and the Kraken and the Oilers. So, there you have it. Those are your scores. Those are your schedules. Also, I wanted to say something else, but it escapes me right now. When it comes to me, I'll let you all know. Uh, this week and Saturday, Delaware Blue Coats season at home opener. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m., it's the Long Island Nets. You can get tickets for that, uh, sixers.com slash bluecoats. Get in the building. Like I told you last season, that the last season that I could attend games because we know we had the pandemic. It's a fun family atmosphere. And short drive down 95 to Wilmington, Delaware, so you can get in the building and check out your some of your possible future 76ers in the NBA's G League. Also, <laughs> Mike says we need all Sixers fans to give Dame a standing ovation. Yeah, <laughs> we we hope that comes into play, Mike. We hope. Um, one last thing, real quick, since we got a little bit of time, talk a little bit about before when it was going into play uh, before, over this off season. The NBA rules changes. Mm-hmm. First hand, I have seen the effect of the rules changes on James Harden and most recently on Trey Young. Um, And it showed the other night when they were here in town to play the Philadelphia 76ers. Aside from the stellar defense of Matisse Thibel, you see the difference where those calls that were normally fouls in previous years are not being called fouls right now yeah rich all those flopping calls so those calls have changed uh some people argue that it would have an effect on steph curry i don't think it's affecting him as much as the other two players that i mentioned because of the type of player that steph curry is steph curry shoots that three from 50 feet right he does that the other two had that in part in their game to get to the free throw line to either add more points or to get them going within um, some points of the game. And now that's taken away. Perry Young, thanks for tuning in. What's up, P? So the rules changes for me, I think, are good because I've always said uh, that you kind of crush a guy 
when you have a guy that plays solid defense on a defender and then they drive to the basket, i.e. Trey Young, to shoot that little floater. But as I'm shooting that floater, I'm going to lean into you and I'm going to get maybe an and one or I'm definitely going to get two free throws to get an opportunity to get those two points back if I miss. It kind of puts a blemish on the defense Mm -hmm. of the game and of that particular player. And, you know, I'm anxious to continue to watch and see how it affects the play of the Atlanta Hawks. And in some ways, looking at the game against the Sixers the other night, I think it was a game that was heavily circled on the Sixers' calendar, you know, albeit a little bit too much too late. Right. Um, And without Ben Simmons. But they came out from start to finish determined. And looking in a way that no matter what happens, we're not going to lose this lead. We're going to beat these dudes tonight. And no matter what happens, at all costs, we're going all out to beat these dudes. So we'll continue to monitor how these rules affect some of the players in the NBA. And like I said, I will be in the building Saturday, November 6th. Um, I'm sure I'll do a live video or something to let people know I'm there. So if you're in the building, come find me, come say hi. Uh, We can chat a little bit before I continue working and covering the game. You can catch me all week on social media, Instagram at sportswrap underscore D, Facebook in the group page, sportswrap podcast, you can check out the webpage, sportsratradio.com. Now, be mindful, folks. When you type it in initially, it's going to go, going to automatically say Sports Rat Radio Show. You got to go back in and take the show part out. It's just sportsratradio.com. As a matter of fact, I think while I'm working this week or sometime in my fixing up these videos to go up on YouTube, I'm going to get this conversation with these quotes up on that website so you can get that. It's definitely going to be up on YouTube. YouTube channel is Sports Rap TV. I know a lot of you get over there and you watch the videos, but what I need you to do, I need you to hit the like button on the videos that you like. I need you to subscribe to the channel. Subscribe. I need more people to subscribe to that channel. Like I mentioned in the Facebook group, which is probably more prominent for some of you, we have reached, we have surpassed 1,000 members in that group. So thank you all for being members and wanting members to be wanting to be members in that group. But now we need you to use that same energy on that YouTube channel, Sports Rap TV. Remember, like the videos that you like. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and then hit that bell so you will be alerted when new video goes up. Except for me, Baldy. Uh, if you want to get at me, you can get at me on Instagram. Appreciate you, Rich. Ball75. You want to get at me on Facebook, Aaron Baldy Moore. Absolutely. And I miss, Rich, I miss my guy Chuck today. So I'm going to have to shoot Chuck, Chuck a message later on today. I got to get back down to the tailgate. I um, had an awesome time down there. So I got to hit him up and get back down there. And we're still going to work on getting one of you guys up here or both of you guys up here in studio with us. Thanks for tuning in. As always, folks, be great on purpose. Enjoy your Monday. And like I said, we'll see you all week on social media. Enjoy Criminal Minded by the Blastmaster KRS-One taking you out. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week.